0: Rink-wide Vancouver as the Canucks defeat the Nashville Predators by a score of 5-2. to Rogers Arena, a Halloween funhouse for the home side, and a house of horrors for the Nashville Predators. Elias Pedersen with a hat trick. Quinn Hughes with three assists, and this Vancouver Canucks team is on a roll. It's Jeff Patterson along with Matt Sikaris. Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. The trick-or-treaters that were out tonight, Matt, they, they missed another Canuck victory. Yeah.
1: Uh, and a fantastic one at that because, Jeff, as everybody was remarking throughout the course of this hockey game, this was by no means Vancouver's best game no. of the season. This was, like, pretty disjointed, sloppy hockey. Even Thatcher Demko wasn't necessarily at his best. JT Miller gets benched in this hockey game towards the end of the second period and yet still... They emerge not only with a victory, but with a resounding one. I mean, fall behind 2-1 on two quick Nashville goals after opening the scoring and didn't seem phased whatsoever. And, you know, I think we're looking at a hockey team this year that has a little bit more resolve and a little bit more belief, at least through the first month of the season, which is now over with a 6-2-1 and start from these Canucks, Jeff. And that's just fantastic work given what we've seen the last couple of years with this club in october and getting buried early
0: yeah and i think the last couple of years this team i mean it struggled in so many areas but certainly unless it brought its best which really wasn't very good on a a, you know on a grand scale Mm -hmm. uh, but unless those teams were at their best they weren't winning hockey games i'm with you this was a Uh, A choppy, clunky start to the hockey game for both sides. But I thought the Canucks were chasing the game. They give up the penalty shot a minute and 22 seconds in. Liam Footy would kind of like a do-over on that one. Although he did get his footing again and was able to to get a shot away at the very least. But uh, you'll see that on the highlight reels for the wrong reasons for quite some time. But the Canucks dodged that bullet right then and there. But the play itself, Elias Pedersen turns the puck over, Tyler Myers, is forced to chase, puts the stick on foodie and they award a penalty shot and we're seeing a lot of those it's the second one against the Canucks already this season with Sean Couturier of the Flyers scoring on Thatcher Demko but Demko gets the last lap there and who knows I mean if the Preds score early the way the Canucks were playing maybe this game goes in a different direction but Thatcher Demko able to hold the fort in the early going and then the Canucks they get the lead although as you said they gave it away and we saw that the other night against the New York Rangers as well but it was a slow build in this hockey game. And I think for them it was just get out of that first period down two to one, take a pause in the intermission, and then Elias Petterson does what he does. He gets into the game himself. He gets the crowd into the game, gets his teammates going, a four on four goal before the second period's even a minute old. And at that point, the Canucks are back on even footing, and there was no looking back from that point. Four unanswered goals on the night. So you mentioned the record overall at 6-2-1, impressive stuff. They've picked up 13 of possible 18 points available to them in the first nine games of the season here in October. They're 3-0-1 at Rogers Arena, so the fans are getting their money's worth, and the one loss was the other night against New York, and it was a turned out to be a terrific hockey game. Uh, in the end, they got a single point out of that one. They're 4-0-1 now in their last five, so the game against the Rangers, the only blip, and they bounce back with this victory, and try this one on for size as well. And I know we'll get to the stat that stands out. There are a lot of them, but I loft this out there. They're 5-0 and against Western opponents, and they have now taken the season series from the Nashville Predators, a team that I think a lot of people kind of figured they might be neck and neck with all season long. So the surest way to ratchet up the standings is to take care of business against those teams within the conference. And, of course, they went out on the Eastern Road trip, so it's been an imbalanced schedule that way, but... Two wins over the Oilers to start, two now against the Predators, and the shutout win against the St. Louis Blues. They are 5-0 and o against conference foes
1: in the early going. And Jeff, we entered today with five teams that missed the playoffs last season sitting on playoff spots. Two of them played in this hockey game. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it more important because if you do believe the Vancouver Canucks are going to be tooth and nail and in a dog fight for the postseason, and let's face it, if they keep this up, they'll have breathing room. But, you know, if it does come back to them, these are the sorts of victories that you don't look back on in March because they're so, so far away, but they could very well make the difference between who's in, who's out, seeding, home ice advantage. Points in five straight hockey games, Jeff? We talked on Saturday that last year the problem was getting a three-game win streak to a four-game win streak. Had five of those opportunities last year. Only once were they able to extend a three-game winning streak. It turned out to be that five-gamer in early March when they effectively just buried their Connor Bedard mm. hopes. But I went back and looked. You know, did they even? Ha- they didn't even have a four-game streak outside of that five-game winning streak with points consecutively. Let alone five. So. They've already been able to do something here this season that they achieved just once, all of last season, and it came very late in March under Rick Tockett. You mentioned that second period, and good thing Elias Pettersson does score an early goal because, Jeff, Vancouver had, I think, two shots through the first 15, 16 minutes of the second period. I mean, we've talked about how there have been chapters of low event hockey in this Canucks season, perhaps not in the first five games of the season. Those were all very eventful. But since then we've seen, you know, games that have been a little bit more bogged down, a little bit more played on the walls in the neutral zone, not necessarily the up and down that we were accustomed to last year, particularly under Bruce Boudreau. So, you know, a disjointed first period, kind of a sloppy first period, and a very quiet three quarters of the second period And then all of a sudden, all heck breaks loose, and they wind up with a three-goal victory.
0: Well, special teams was one of the stories the other night against New York. I think you would say special teams, maybe not to the degree of the Ranger game, but the Canucks penalty kill, perfect, four for four. And moments after a penalty kill where the Preds were applying some pressure in the second period, and it's a two-all game, then the Canucks get a power play, and Elias Pedersen snaps home his second of the night. Brock Besser doesn't get a point, but boy, uh, he played a role in that goal. The net fronts, we, we've talked about him, and I, I, I'll bring the conversation back to net front in general because I think that was a really strong theme in this hockey game. But, and
1: through the season, Jeff. And,
0: yeah, and and so Pedersen with his second of the night, the power play goal, the Canucks back out in front, and they take that lead to the third period, and then they were able to extend it. Now, the J.T. Miller storyline is absolutely something that we will explore here, but uh, let's keep it in perspective on a night when Elias Patterson has his second career NHL hat trick and Quinn Hughes has three assists and gets to 250 career points before his 300th game in the National Hockey League. there's mind-boggling numbers. Uh, Quinn Hughes, five shots on goal, 11 attempts. Uh, again, this guy is on a mission, and he was already an incredible player, but he looks like a different player And for Elias Pettersson, uh, I mean, how do you come in his night, Matt? This is his sixth multi-point game already this season. His second NHL hat-trick, the other game in Ottawa. He scored the winner in OT. I remember I was there that night. Um, And he's up to 16 points. Jack Hughes is the only player in the National Hockey League, as we record this post-game, with more points than Elias Pettersson. So their best (laughs) players absolutely have been
1: electric in the early going this season. Well, and uh, he'll stay that way because no late games uh, tonight, just a two-game slate from the National Hockey League and the Canucks featuring in the late game this evening. I want to go back to the second Elias Pettersson goal because for me, this is a goal that shows most of the genius of Elias Pettersson. I won't say all because you know passing is part of his genius and he doesn't pass this puck, but... The puck gets over to him, Jeff, and he is thinking one-timer all the way. And something, and you have to think, it's out of the corner of his eye, something makes him stop for the big clapper, possess the puck for a second, take a look, he knows, he's, he, knows he has time, allows Besser to set up that screen, which I'm sure he saw was coming prior to the one-timer or when changing his mind, and then let go an accurate shot that beats Kevin Lankin and... I thought Lankanen was one of the stories here tonight as well. I don't think he was very good. Um, the Besser screen is damn near perfect. Of course, Lafferty scores a goal here tonight effectively as a screener of the goaltender. We had remarked on previous wides; they seem to be doing a much better job of getting traffic to the net. Guys are willing to go there, pay the price because you know you're going to get abused by the defenseman. You know, occasionally you're going to take some rubber and that's not fun. So I'm sure there's some bruised Vancouver Canucks in that dressing room. That second goal was the thing of beauty. It's exactly the sort of, when you talk about a star player and their ability to slow the game down and have it operate at their pace. And, you know, an oil painting from Elias Pettersson tonight.
0: Well, let's just run through the goals quickly. You're right. Lafferty, the puck goes basically (laughs) off his back, up his back, off his helmet. Whatever, but he is the net front presence there, standing his ground on the Quinn Hughes shot. Then Pedersen gets into the act, the four-on-four goal early in the second, McKayev with a perfectly timed screen, cutting through the slot. Now, McKayev gets the second assist, but I'd argue his bigger helper on that play was, again, timing the screen perfectly, take the goalie's eyes away. We mentioned Besser, and then JT Miller, who, again, was a story, and we'll talk more about his night, but... Scoring on the doorstep, the Besser shot, and there's Miller to get just enough of that puck to force it across the goal line. And so, uh, you know, the first four goals, the Canucks score, Pedersen into an empty net, uh, no net front needed there uh, to cap the hat-trick. But, I mean, I would think that that absolutely will have Rick talking and the coaching staff glowing that they preach go to the net, good things happen. And you're right, this wasn't an isolated incident because we have talked about it in other post-game rink-wides, And I'm a big believer in sort of that positive reinforcement, like keep doing it. If you have success, that's going to beget success that guys are going to go, yeah, hey, you know, you're right. There is a price to pay, but. That's where goals come from. That's where action happens in front of the net. And so the Canucks have done a a really nice job of it. And hey, how about that? A Sam Lafferty goal to open the scoring. Yeah. A bottom six goal for the Vancouver Canucks.
1: Yeah, which we had talked about. In fact, on Sikerson Price today, we asked, you know, who from that bottom six is going to be the first one To break out, Lafferty was not an option because he's probably been better than some of the other guys. Beauvillier with a couple assists. Yep. Three points in his his last two games. On the Hughes 250th point, it's reached in the 12th fewest games of any defenseman in National Hockey League history. Only Cale McCarr amongst active players has gotten there before Quinn Hughes. And frankly, Jeff, if this keeps up, I think we need to start talking and telling our friends back East that if Quinn Hughes isn't yet a Norris candidate in your eyes, you're missing out because he may well be the second best defenseman in the league after McCarr and heck he may be right there hanging with Cale McCar If this season continues, we had talked in previous rank wides and one of the things that has been a nice development for the Canucks this year and, going back to uh, Saturday when both Tyler Myers and Carson Soucy on the same pair each score a goal in that hockey game is the contributions they're getting offensively from this defense score. But it's beyond just that, Jeff. It's the aggressiveness of this Canucks defense score looking for their shots. We've mentioned Hughes, how he's far more active as a shooter, looking for his own shots this year than I think we've ever seen him before. But in the opening minutes of this hockey game, you have Tyler Myers take an attempt on goal. You have Mark Friedman take an attempt Mm. on goal. You have Philip Hronick with a backhander on goal. And then just about one of the most incredible things that I've seen from the Canucks, even in the disjointed Boudreaux era, Jeff, there's a play in the first period where Hronick grows Cross ice to Hughes for a shot. And they are the two deepest, the yeah. two lowest yeah, Canucks and, and in the at... offensive zone. And they're the three forwards dutifully hanging back, understanding that both their defensemen have jumped into the play. Almost looked like a soccer formation there at 2-3-1. uh one. So, yeah, the, the Canucks defense getting very involved on the offensive side of the puck. Philip Romnick I thought was good again. Tonight and Quinn Hughes with the three assists night. So, you know, I suspect he has more of these. Suddenly, the Quinn Hughes for Norris campaign is gonna get a lot of juice behind it.
0: I feel like at the very least, eyes have been opened now to the fact that he's not the player that he was in the All-Canadian division when he really did struggle on a bad team. I feel like the rest of the league is now sorting that out. Is the rest of the league truly on board to how good he is on a nightly basis, I'm not so sure.
1: I hope so, or I hope at the very least that, like Eric Carlson, he's able to outscore whatever the preconceived notions are of him. But he's better in Carlson defensively, as we all know, and that's being evident in in, uh, Pittsburgh on most nights. And not getting too far ahead of
0: ourselves here, but he's 10 days away from a trip back east through Toronto on a Saturday night Mm -hmm. through Montreal. You know, those are the kinds of nights and games, I think, where... If he plays at this level, it will absolutely open some eyes. Now, saying all of that, because we come at this from all angles here on Post Game. let's note for the record yes. that he and Heronic were on the ice for both yes. of the Nashville goals. So it yes. took until the ninth game of the season for that duo to get scored on, which is incredible in and of itself. You knew they weren't going the entire season, no. but uh, I didn't expect two goals in a 30-second span No, (laughs) with those guys on the edge.
1: And uh, in fact, uh, Hughes is guilty on the first Nashville goal. He turns the puck over, which allows the Predators to move on in and score. And it's two British Columbians, Jeff, Colton Sissons, from North Van and Coquitlam's Dante Fabro, who score these goals 30 seconds apart late in the first period. And you got the sense at that stage, it's like, all right, the Canucks were probably lucky to be up one nothing with everything that had happened in the opening 15 minutes of the first period. Nashville's got their just desserts here. I almost felt like the Canucks approached the early part of the game like, ah, we did these guys last week. We, we've got this. We know this team. We know we can get away with some things that we probably couldn't get away with with a different opponent. And so even going down to the goaltending because – that second goal from Fabro, I'm not sure if Thatcher Demko will love that goal. He misses a poke check on the first goal, although he would have liked to have seen somebody stop the puck carrier before he gets to the goal mouth.
0: And then the second one, you know, we praise the Canucks for the net front. Gus Nyquist does a nice job. Demko's looking around. DiGiuseppe's a bit of a high screen as well. Good shot by Fabro, and yeah, makes the... Uh Fabro family, I'm sure delighted to oh. see Dante score his first of the season. And he said, uh, "We like to shout out the North Van guys." Colton Sissons up to five mm-hmm. already yeah. on the season. Ryan O'Reilly in his 1,000th game. The Canucks uh, made note of that uh, up on the jumbotron before a first period faceoff. But uh, the beat goes on there. I mentioned this last week. 45 of his 1,000 NHL games against the Vancouver Canucks, and yeah, he has one goal. Uh, But I had to go look it up because he played for the Blues, obviously, in the playoff bubble. He had four goals in the six games in that playoff series. So he has scored against Vancouver Canuck uniforms, uh, maybe saving it uh, for games of more heft and significance. Uh, although the Blues bowed out pretty easily in that uh, playoff bubble as the defending champs. But in the regular season, now 45 games against the Vancouver Canucks for Ryan O'Reilly and just one goal.
1: And Jeff, I I, I thought he showed every bit of 32 a 1,000 games and all the miles he logged. I mentioned this last week. I don't mean to pick on Ryan O'Reilly. He's a fine player and a Stanley Cup champion and one of the fine two-way centers of his generation. But there were a few point-blank chances tonight that I do wonder if a younger Ryan O'Reilly finishes. There was one early in the third period. There was one earlier in the hockey game where Shorty said he can't pull the trigger. Was off a rebound. I forget who had shot the puck from the opposite flank on the power play. And then later in the third period, he has another. He has another chance. You know, when he signed that contract on July first, and we understand what Barry Trotz is trying to do there and bring in his own type of players. But a four-year, four and a half million dollar contract for a thirty-two year old guy—that you hope he has something left in the tank and I just felt like he was a step slow. You know, the reaction time was fractionally off for Ryan O'Reilly tonight. If not, I think it's probably a closer hockey game because he had some glorious chances down by the goal.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, there were shifts where, I mean, he still hounds the puck, but Mm -hmm. it is a question of foot speed and that's never been his, his calling card. He's always been a a cerebral guy and, and tried to think opponents. And yeah, I mean, the, the predators brought him in as a culture carrier and, We'll see how that works out with a long-term contract for a player uh, well into his 30s now. And of course, so we should mention too, this is the only visit of the season for the Nashville Predators and Luke Shen, old friend Luke Shen, uh, on the injured list. So he won't get a chance to come back and play in Vancouver this season, which is unfortunate for him. And I'm sure the Preds uh, miss him without a doubt, but uh, he's going to be out for a little while still. So they're going to have to push on uh, in his absence. The Vancouver Canucks 5-2 winners, slow start. Not always how you start, it is how you finish, and this team right now is feeling pretty good about things. And and so it should, and and there is a feeling around town that uh, maybe, just maybe, as the calendar flips now to November, that this is the start of something, because the Canucks go to San Jose on Thursday, and they can't take anybody like the Sharks are not going to lose every game this season, but right now that is the free spot on the bingo card in the National Hockey League. They're winless, they cannot score to save their lives. But if the Vancouver Canucks go in there feeling good about themselves, feeling too good about themselves, uh, you know, the danger of slipping on the old banana peel. So they can enjoy this victory. Uh, They're going to practice and then fly to San Jose on Wednesday, take on the Sharks on Thursday, and then they're back home for what is likely to be a tougher test against the Dallas Stars on Saturday.
1: You know, you talk about the city, Jeff, and it has been so long since we've been able to get excited about this hockey team Mm -hmm. early in a season. Um, I mean, you almost have to go back to the COVID-interrupted year to find a, a time when Vancouver Canucks fans were able to get excited and, of course, go and watch their favorite hockey team at Rogers Arena. I went to the Vancouver Canadians World Series event last night, and there was a bunch of sports fans there, and we were talking with them, including a bunch of Canucks season ticket members, and they were telling me that the request for Canucks tickets have picked up and picked up in a significant way already almost as though the market and the sea was just waiting for the Canucks to show some life show some signs that they can be a good hockey team i think the bandwagon's ready to fill up here after this month and you're quite right now it's about sustainability you have bought yourself some margin you have bought yourself some ground where if you're not great you're going to be able to sustain and stay in the playoff race but hey how about not needing how about extending out even further as you watch some of your mates in the pacific division struggle as they have struggled this season
0: well speaking of fan feedback we'll get to that we have been asking on our social social channels your biggest takeaway in this canucks 5-2 victory over the predators and we'll get to some responses that we're getting uh, via our uh, feedback channels but Let's get into it because, uh, yes, he scored his fifth goal of the season, and it was a big one as it gave the Canucks a little cushion there early in the third period, one of two four-on-four goals in this hockey game. JT Miller from Besser and Hughes at 4'11", and there was no looking back at that point, but ah, JT Miller was benched, full stop. Like, there's no other way to look at that. Mm -hmm. For the final six minutes of the second period, he had a five-second shift. You know where that was? It was leaving the penalty Mm -hmm. box and skating back to the bench. That was it. But Rick Tockett had seen enough three minor penalties. He took the unsportsmanlike after
1: the hooking penalty in the first period. Which was a bad call, the hooking penalty. You can understand JT being upset. It was Forsberg? Yes. Grabs his stick and pins it to his hip. Yeah. I mean, you talk back to an official, you always risk the unsportsmanlike penalty. And the whistle blew this time around. I would say a couple of things. Number one, this looked a little bit like a ref show early. Uh, I thought the officials had uh, invested themselves here. And then secondly, there's a Nashville penalty called shortly thereafter and had all the hallmarks of a makeup call where the officials knew, okay, we not only blew that one, but we gave him the extra two because he couldn't control his temper and we couldn't control our our, – our hostility, our frustration, whatever it is, to give him four minutes on that. He did start the third period. He was the first shift out. He was the first penalty-killing shift out. And I saw a lot of chatter on social channels that this was a well that Bruce Boudreau and Travis Green were unwilling to go to with JT Miller and with star players. And I think that's probably fair, that Rick Tockett, of the three of them, is the coach that has fewer Fs to give on this topic. We've both been doing this a long time, Jeff. And one of the things that I think has happened in our time covering the National Hockey League and professional sports is that head coaches have become very aware of the fact that they are way more disposable than players, particularly star players. So you don't see this as much. And the fact of the matter is, in today's day and age, The old edict about, oh, the rules have to apply to everyone on the team. It's not really true anymore. There are different rules. And and the reason being is coaches know, hey, if we lose enough, I'm going to be the guy who walks the plank. And secondly, I need the star players to win. So they've been less and less accustomed and willing to go to the bench a star player card. It's a minor benching. I mean, this was a couple hours grounding. It wasn't the full weekend.
0: But if you didn't know what had happened in the second period between the coach and that player, and you just looked at the final box score, 13 minutes and two seconds of ice time for JT Miller would jump off the page the way 27 minutes did for Elias Petterson the other night for totally different reasons. We're not used to seeing JT Miller limited to that kind of ice time. But again, it's early in the season. This is a coach that knows where those other coaches... At the end, Travis Green knew he was on borrowed time in his fifth season. Bruce mm-hmm. knew that he was on borrowed time, essentially, from the start of last year. Rick Tockett's not going anywhere. He's got the hammer. And so people better fall in line. And so, uh, you know, message sent there. Look, we're going to hear from Rick Tockett. We're going to hear from Elias Patterson as we carry on here.
1: Just two more things on mm-hmm. the on this benching. He said yesterday in discussion of Mikheyev that he wanted to use him more as a penalty killer because he had to bring the— Ice time down for Petterson and Miller. We noted Saturday at career high ice time for Elias Petterson. Mm-hmm. Believe McCaff just got the one penalty killing shift, mm-hmm. but this also served as a way of reducing JT Miller's ice time. That's and true. secondly, it's not only a master stroke in terms of the response he gets from Miller in the third period, but Philip prona gets in on the power play goal on the power play shift that he misses right. as the replacement for Miller. They go a two defenseman set and that second Elias Pettersson goal that we're all gushing over Philip Ronick starts that play getting that puck to Andre Kuzmenko over to Patterson for the goal so boy everything coming up Rick talking right now he seems to push every right button at the precise right moment
0: got our three stars of the game we'll get to the stat that stands out some listener feedback and we will get inside the locker room to hear from Rick Talking and Elias Patterson but before we do that let's get to our bodog line of
1: Game. Well, National Hockey League tomorrow, Jeff, and John Tortorella got a good start from his undermanned Philadelphia Flyers. They've lost a couple in a row here. Buffalo, after a slow start, looks like they're picking it up, although the young rookie, Zach Benson, the local kid, apparently hurt now. And he's going to miss some time. Give me the Sabres at minus 110. On your Bodog line of the day, Bodog, your source for your casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds.
0: Vancouver Canucks defeat the Nashville Predators by a score of 5-2 to two on Halloween night at Rogers Arena. It's Jeff, it's Matt. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
1: Break
0: quiet Vancouver, breaking down a 5-2 victory for the Vancouver Canucks over the Nashville Predators. Going to get inside the locker room. Want to hear from Rick Tockett and Elias Patterson. Certainly a lot to talk about for the head coach. Uh, We'll get to our... Rink-wide, Vancouver three-star selection in this segment as well.
1: Who do you think's first star tonight, Jeff? Yeah, sometimes the decisions <laughs> are made easy
0: on the people that pick the stars. We like those kind of nights. But uh want to hear from the head coach because uh, we've talked about the fact that I think the Canucks have played better. And maybe even like in the Tampa game, they probably played better and lost that one. But some nights, and depends on the opponent, whatever the case yeah, the Canucks didn't have their best stuff necessarily, but their best players certainly came through when they needed them. So uh, here's Rick Tockett talking about the fact that, uh, yeah, team won, but uh, there's still some some work to be done.
2: Yeah, obviously we're having to win. Obviously that's not our brand of hockey. Was, uh, you know, I thought we were pretty loose. You, you like that these learning lessons when you, you win. You know, if you lose... It's a big learning lesson, but it is a big learning lesson even when you win, so it's a little easier to for tomorrow for us to kind of dissect this and get back to our identity um yeah, it was a loose game you know this too many turnovers, too many people diving in um yeah it wasn't it wasn't a great game for us identity wise
0: not the best game identity wise yeah I mean I think uh, he's bang on there again, we've talked about him cracking the whip individually yep. with players and I think you know, messaging through the media to the players here as well, that uh, sure, you'll take the two points, sock those away, but uh, there is work to be done.
1: Yeah, and um getting back to identity might be easier said than done because as he says, you know, while it's better to learn lessons in a victory, it sometimes means those lessons aren't immediately learned and one would hope for the sake of this team that... Uh, they don't put anything close to this forward on Thursday against San Jose. That would be a terrible game to lose coming off a victory like this. So, you know, as we have said, San Jose is so putrid. Mm -hmm. You do wonder how many teams are going to take them lightly, and it would be an utter shame if the Vancouver Canucks are the first one to take them lightly and the first opponent to surrender a W to San Jose.
0: Now, it was an interesting week of practice because on Monday when the Canucks skated, Dakota Joshua looked like he was the odd man out. Now, he played in this game, and I do think there was some messaging there from the coach that if you don't pick your game up, you'll be the odd guy out when the games are played. You won't have a locker, or a jersey hanging in your locker. And so was curious to see the response. Again, I think there's got to be more to give. I think Dakota Joshua was far more noticeable last season uh, than he has been most nights here. Quiet again tonight. I mean, yeah. First period so, he was, yeah. And but- so now it's JT Miller. I mean, we saw a little bit of the response in the third period, but I'm curious to see what he looks like on Thursday when they go to San Jose. And you'd love to see JT rise up and be the leader that he is on this team and, and set the tone and the tempo and everything else. Here was Rick Tockett after the game. He was asked about benching JT Miller there uh, for the late stages of the second period.
2: I love Millsy. I mean, he's been, he's played unreal hockey for me. Um, I felt at the time for, he needed to sit for four minutes. It could have been JT, it could have been anybody and, um, you know, accountability. And uh he responds with a goal and I think he, you know, he's fine. What was his reaction, especially in the intermission? Uh He was good. He was fine. He came up to me and talked to me and, you know, apologized and I apologized to him. You know, we went at it. I love the kid. I got no problems with JT Miller.
0: All good. They uh, kissed and made up there in the second mm-hmm. intermission,
1: apparently. Yeah, and apologies all around. <laughs> and of course, JT Miller went up and talked to him. My right? bad. My bad. There's no, no way no, that JT Miller was going to sit there silently and just bite his tongue. And I like how he slips in there that it's a four minute bench. It was closer to seven, <laughs> coach, uh, but who's counting? And uh, I like the phrasing even there, Jeff. He's played Unreal Hockey for me this is very much a coach that is asking the players to perform for him Mm -hmm. and you know before anyone goes and says oh that's egotistical that's narcissistic what have you I think it's probably easier to ask players to play for an individual than for a crest right like crest isn't gonna communicate with you so uh, I like the phrasing there as well and uh One wonders whether it's one and done with the JT Miller benching. I can't imagine he's going to play this card again anytime soon. So we'll see if JT Miller takes the wake-up call and carries that strong third period into San Jose on Thursday.
0: So we've heard from the coach. Let's hear from Elias Patterson. And yes, uh, he will be the first star when we get around to the rink-wide three-star selection. He had a second NHL hat-trick. He's got five goals now in the season to go along with the 11 assists, so up to 16 points, trailing only Jack Hughes in the NHL Scoring Derby, and we'll see if he can run neck and neck with Quinn's brother all season long. Uh, how long can he stay with? I mean, he was a top-ten scorer in the NHL last year, and he has crept up to uh, as close as you can get uh, without being at the top of the heap, but he's got 16 points. He's two back of Jack Hughes. And he was asked about the overall performance of the hockey club. And we talked about this too, that, you know, they didn't have their good stuff. Sometimes players don't want to see it that way. Elias Petterson was willing to concede that, yeah, they've played better. But, uh, hey, at the end of the night, they'll take the victory.
1: Uh, I think, uh, I mean, it's good to get, I don't know, def- different kinds of wins. Uh, and wins when we haven't played over as usual or... Maybe previous year we haven't won these games, uh, but now we get good goaltending. Goal I think we're defending ourselves better, but yeah, definitely a little off game today.
0: Yeah, a bit of an off game for the Vancouver Canucks. No question about it. Uh, again, they got better as the night went along. And it's funny because I know along Press Row, people were wondering about the ice conditions. It did look like the puck was bouncing an awful lot. They practiced at Rogers Arena on Monday and played on Tuesday night it wasn't like there was a concert in there and they had to convert the building. And of course the ice is the same for both teams. And and maybe both teams would tell you that it wasn't great. We've heard that uh, in recent years, but I did wonder if the ice conditions were any sort of factor at the end of the night, the ice didn't seem to affect Elias Pettersson an awful lot. He tilted it in Mm -hmm. the Canucks direction, but uh, his three goals, uh, I don't think he had any issues with the ice. And I
1: think he's right that in previous years, I'm not sure they would have gotten a victory tonight. Uh, When he talks about different kind of wins, let me use a baseball analogy. This is like your great starting pitcher who doesn't have his location that night or the curveball, the slider isn't quite snapping like it usually does, but you hang in and you battle. And that's what I think the Canucks can be commended for tonight. Hardly a great first period by any stretch of the imagination. And really three-quarters of the second period, as we mentioned, they put two shots on goal. So, you know, there are not going to be many nights in the National Hockey League where you can get away with the first period like that and for most of a second period like that and still emerge with a multi-goal victory, but here we are.
0: Right. I think there are opponents out there that would have picked the Canucks apart on a night like this, Mm -hmm. but it was Nashville on the schedule and they pick up a second straight win against the Predators. All right, let's get to the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection. You heard from Elias Pedersen there, three goals, uh, the difference maker... But he had company, certainly. Uh, Quinn Hughes right there with three assists. They dressed up on Halloween like twin terrors and were all over the score sheet. So I've got Pedersen and Hughes as the first two stars of this hockey game. And then it was a question of sort of a pick them. There were others uh, there. I'm going with Sam Lafferty. He scores his first home ice goal for the Vancouver Canucks. Again, we like the fact that he stood his ground there, uh, took a punishment, And was able to find the way, you know, get the puck across the line. That's all that you have to do. It doesn't have to hit the back of the net. Just got to get across the goal line. So Sam Lafferty chips in a bottom six goal, something that we've been talking about a fair bit. And he was part of this penalty kill, two minutes and two seconds of shorthanded ice time, on a night when the Canucks go four for four on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. So I thought the tone setter after the missed penalty shot, Lafferty opened the scoring, and I know that they didn't win wire to wire, but I thought a pretty decent night. And I, I considered Beauvillier with a couple of points as well. Yeah. So he gets honorable mention there, but I think the rink-wide makeover three stars in this one, Pedersen, Hughes,
1: and Lafferty. It was Thatcher Demko in the building as third star. I I, I think I might have gone Beauvillier, uh, yeah. a couple assists. He was better again tonight. So that bodes well for the Vancouver Canucks. There are some things that since we're on the fact that the Canucks really didn't play a great first 40 minutes, let's get into a few of the things that, you know, weren't exactly going their way tonight or guys who weren't going. It was a very quiet night for Phil DiGiuseppe. And we haven't said that much this year. Poor To a
0: point that in the second period, I think Rick Tockett saw it the same way. And Nils Hoaglander actually had a shift with Besser and Miller.
1: Uh Poor Pia Suter goes his first month as a Vancouver Canuck without getting a point. Now, as you mentioned, uh, Lafferty gets a goal tonight. Bovillia gets a couple assists. So you got contributions from the bottom six that continues to insulate him. And, you know, let's face it, the penalty kill was pretty good tonight. So, and,
0: and needed a response. After yeah, oh, the for Ranger sure. Game. For so, sure. Yep. So
1: they pitch a shutout. Nashville goes over four. Uh, We both noted that slash to the right hand of Andre Kuzmenko late. Mm -hmm. And you always hate to see a guy take his hand off the stick and shake the hand a little bit. I was even more concerned about the fact that later in the shift, Jeff, he's got time and space and a pretty good look at goal, and he doesn't pull the trigger. He's looking to pass. I I do wonder whether... We may hear some news about Kuzmenko on that right hand tomorrow. At the very least, it's a question worth asking or it's worth seeing if they are practicing tomorrow. If Kuzmenko is out there early, I thought Ian Cole struggled a little bit yeah. tonight. Zone exits yep. were a problem for Ian Cole. And then lastly, and this is one of those nice problems to have, but if Pedersen <laughs> keeps doing this, Jeff, the salary is only going up oh, and up. And up. I mean, if you're talking about a guy... Who's gonna go from a top 10 league scorer and a hundred points to a top three league scorer, and let's face it, would probably be in contention then for the heart, for the Selkie, for some of this NHL hardware. Oh, uh, they're going to need to carve out more cap space for him on an extension next season.
0: Yeah, you know, we we wondered if he got off to a slow start, the distraction angle, but I think we are completely at the end of the spectrum right now of What does a start like this do for him and the price that he's going to drive whenever the Canucks decide to Mm -hmm. sit down at the bargaining table? Patterson with a hat trick, the Canucks 5-2 winners over the Nashville Predators. It was a good night for the Canucks, and it's always a good night and day Yeah, if you walk the lots of the Applewood Auto.
1: And right now at the Infinity dealership, Richmond Automall, you can lease a 23QX50 from 3.49% or a 23QX60 from 2.99%, then over at the Nissan dealerships, Applewood, Nissan, Richmond, Applewood, Nissan, Langley, Applewood, Nissan, Surrey, finance the 23 Rogue from 3.99%, lease or finance the 23 24 Leaf from 6.99%, because as you say, Jeff, it's all good at Applewood.
0: Canucks will be in San Jose Thursday, then home to Dallas. So that's up next. They're uh, just over a week away from. Another Eastern road trip, so we'll see if they can keep the momentum going as they head for Eastern Canada uh, over the Remembrance Day long weekend. But right now, their sights set on the San Jose Sharks. They'll be in the tank on Thursday. They beat the Predators 5-2 to Tuesday night. This is Rinkwide, Vancouver. and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Breaking down a 5-2 Canucks victory over the Nashville Predators. It's Rinkwide Vancouver, Jeff and Matt with you. We'll get to the stat that stands out in a moment here. We really haven't touched on Thatcher Demko. We'll get to some listener feedback as well because i want to hear what the people have to say about this hockey club and this this victory but thatcher demko the victory he's now four and two on the season that's uh, night and day from where he was at this time a year ago the other thing is they're going to win a lot of games if he only gives up two or fewer matt and he has only surrendered more than two goals once in tampa bay so you know, this wasn't a night where he had to be absolutely dialed in, but there were some pockets of the game where they needed some saves. The Preds put on pressure in the third period. And, you know, he gives up the two goals 30 seconds apart. Other than that, it's uh, just another really solid effort from Arrested Thatcher Demko, who was coming off the shutout over the Blues, didn't play on Saturday. And so uh, it'd be interesting to see here. They've uh, got some spaced out games. They don't have back-to-backs until that Eastern Road trip. But... I think they like what they're reaping from being able to give him some nights off here in the early going and not having
1: to lean on him. No question. I mean, I think that's almost as good or better a story than his performance to date in this season, which has been exemplary, as you say, that Casey DeSmith has been able to come in, play those Saturday night games, and give Thatcher Demko enough of a rest that you can project this sort of performance from Thatcher Demko over a long season. So I agree with you in terms of uh, his performance tonight. Good. Didn't need to be sensational. As we mentioned, got the the third star in the building. And uh, I would suspect he plays in San Jose, although that might be a good start to give Casey DeSmith. And if you're still feeling good about Casey DeSmith, then maybe you get to rest Thatcher again and get him in there Saturday against the Dallas Stars, who are, of course, a much better and a much more direct competitor in the Western Conference.
0: Yeah, and then Edmonton after that on Monday. I mm-hmm. think even though they've had their struggles, it's the Oilers, it's McDavid. Right. It's, you'd probably want Thatcher so to go for that So if you played DeSmith
1: Thursday, you can play him yeah. in both of those games, yep, I would think.
0: Quite possibly, and that's uh, something to, to monitor here. As the Canucks head to the Bay Area Uh, All right, Uh, just ahead of some listener feedback here. Uh, The stat that stands out for me, and we've touched on this, the Canucks won, and credit to them, slow start and all. But we've talked about it. The coach mentioned it. Elias Patterson talked about it as well. Like, we're not making this up. The Canucks did not play. By the numbers, the Canucks did not play particularly well. The underlying numbers show the Canucks as a team controlled 37.8% of the shots shot attempts so Nashville carrying a 62.2 mm. Corsi course he is a team the scoring chances that even strength in this hockey game two to one in favor of the predators according to natural stat statric, 32 to 16 were the scoring chances for the preds and the high dangers
1: 16 to six so yeah. again and that all computes and yet we're still sitting here talking about not necessarily having to be great Thatcher Demco. It was a very weird game tonight, Jeff.
0: Well, and right down to the goaltending decision for the Predators, I mean, UC Soros can't play them all, but conference opponent, you lost to them last week. It was a big game for the Predators the start of a road trip, and Kevin Lankinen needed, at some point, he had to get his first start of the season, but yeah. I was a little surprised that it was here in Vancouver in this hockey game, and he's not the reason the Predators lost, But, boy, did he fight the puck. He made some saves. sure did. But he was – He
1: looked like a guy who was starting his first game. And
0: wandered from the net a couple times. Garland in the the Mm -hmm. first period when he hit the post and – yeah, there were just a couple of situations around them. So, uh, look, it's Andrew Brunette's decision and goaltending coach. I'm not here to second-guess the Predators, but just at the surface level, at the very least, it seemed like a strange decision
1: when I heard that Saros was staying out late after the morning skate and it looked like and start. Particularly since it was discussed in Nashville that the game last week against Vancouver had been their worst of the season, that they had been, you know, effort level and all those things had been pretty good Outside of the Vancouver game, you have scooped Ernest here on our feedback <laughs> channels and rinkwide wide Vancouver what stood out from the game because his ask JPAT was, did the Preds make the right decision starting in concerning the fact they lost two points to the Canucks already while having no back-to-backs on this road trip? Well spotted, Ernest, I'll give you that. Uh, the other thing that we should mention about this hockey, we mentioned a very quiet night in the National Hockey League, only two other games, but of course one of those games involved the LA Kings who get a victory in Toronto. So this is a second straight night, Jeff, where we're in here talking about a Canuck result and it was an overtime loss on Saturday, keeping them ahead of the LA Kings. Mm. Had they lost this game and there, there's an avenue if you're an actual Predators fan to say we should have won tonight then the Canucks would have fallen behind the LA Kings and into third place in the Pacific Division. So there's just so many things going right for them. Every night at wide Vancouver, we put out the post after every game. Hey, what stood out to you in, in tonight's hockey game? Wes at WM Gulson says, took the Canucks 18 games last season to get to 13 points. Only nine this year and yeah, 05 and 2 will do that to you yep. at Rinkwide Van, incidentally. Uh, and at, at Canuck Cali says, I like Tocket's firm line after JT's discipline lapses way before the outcome was obvious. It was probably tempting to throw JT and his offensive gifts out there, but he stuck to his accountability promise. Nice to see that it's not just a bottom six forward that has to earn ice time.
0: Yeah, and and look, I think Rick Talk is pushing the right buttons. I think the fans are buying into what he's selling, and ultimately he's selling a product that is yielding victories for this Vancouver Hockey Club. And so I'm not surprised I hadn't looked sort of year over year to get to the 13-point mark, but I know uh, it took a long time for the Canucks to get just even to the 5-win mark a year ago. So, uh, yeah, I mean, at some point we're going to have to let the comparisons to last year go, but, I mean, I think we're all still sort of traumatized by what we witnessed and covered uh, in the early going last season that, you know, it's hard not to compare it directly to one year ago at this time.
1: Well, I mean, one year ago at this time, Jeff, we had a bunch of selfish hockey players who were out there trying to get their points to hell with the defensive end. Of the rink, they were blowing leads, multi-goal leads, left, right, and center. Yeah, that will stick with the fan base. Sure, and it the went principles. higher
0: than that. I mean, we, at this time uh, last year, we had management sniping at the yeah, head coach. Absolutely,
1: I mean, it was a total dysfunctional year. Yeah, last season it was not particularly well thought out. The decision to go out and hire Boudreaux as Travis Green's replacement, and then go ahead and hire Rutherford in the management team—it was ass backwards, and and it showed uh, last year. And, and let's face it. A lot of the principles are the same here. Yeah. You've added a couple of defensemen. You've added a third line center. You've added a fourth liner in Sam Lafferty. And of course, Philip prona came towards the deadline last year and never really got a, a, a chance to participate much in, in last year's Canucks season. And frankly, that might be better for him the way it went. So a lot of the principles were the same. And, and yet here you are. And, you know, look, uh, we all had fun under Boudreau that first year. The Bruce, there it is, was very amusing. It was a great, it was a great theater at Rogers Arena. And the team went up and down playing Bruce Boudreaux hockey and on nights where it works, that's a very aesthetically pleasing brand of hockey. I think what is coming into view now is that this team did need a different style of coach. And I also think, Jeff, as much as it hurt them in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, and it most certainly did, that those of us who took the view last year that, okay, I don't necessarily understand why they have this much faith in talking, given his track record in Tampa Bay and Phoenix, which, let's face it, was not glorious as a head coaching record. But getting him in there and allowing him to set the tone message, apply the standard, talk about everything he talks about, wall work, board battles, eat a puck, accountability, all of that took root last year, and it allowed them to get a bit of a jump start on this year, and JT Miller said as much after practice on Monday. So, you know, that decision from Alvin and Rutherford is looking better and better as this season goes along, because I'm not necessarily sure we'd be talking about 6-2-1 and one. If Rick Tockett had been introduced as the head coach in the summer, as opposed to last year when they made the move clunky as it was. In fact, clunky doesn't even do it justice, Jeff. (laughs) Disgraceful as it was the handling of Bruce Boudreaux on his way out. Yeah. Clunky was the first period of
0: this hockey game against the the Nashville Predators, but the Canucks come out with the win. They got their game eventually. And when Elias Patterson's going and Quinn Hughes is going the way that uh, those two are right now again, and yet, Thatcher Demko into the mix. That's a recipe. Your star players rising above and pulling the team along. And that's what happened on Tuesday against the Preds. All right. So we've talked about the fact that this team is now 6-2-1. They have a very impressive home ice record. I know it's early on in just four games, but 3-0-1. You can't ask for a whole lot more than that. Seven of a possible eight points. And after San Jose, two tough tests with Dallas and an Edmonton team with McDavid back that I think maybe... That Heritage Classic will just be the reset button for them. I'm sure that's what they're hoping at the very least. We'll talk more about the Oilers as we get closer to that one. But let's take a moment here to talk about our friend, Jason Hominick.
1: Yeah, Jason Hominick, Jason.Mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate and access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now's the time to reach out. Find him at Jason mortgage all right well the Canucks
0: provided us with a lot to talk about and we certainly did that covered a lot of ground here on Rinkwide Vancouver Elias Petterson with the hat-trick JT Miller and Sam Lafferty the other goal scorers Thatcher Demko picks up his fourth victory in goal for the hockey club the final shots were 27 25 the Canucks went one for two on the power play the Preds
1: were 0 for four Patterson on 146 point I love pace. It. I will leave you with All that.
0: All right. I like that as a final parting thought. Back to do it again after the Sharks game on Thursday. Chris Faber is going to be sitting in then. So we look forward to having a chat uh, with him and getting his thoughts uh, on the Canucks and the Sharks. But for Matt, this is Jeff. As always, thanks so much to everybody for your support and for listening to another edition of Rink Wide Vancouver.